0: everyone and welcome back to the comics collective the weekly comic podcast where we record our show near hours before release (laughs) by the skin of our teeth and without one of our co-hosts i am your co-host alice taylor
1: and i'm the one that's not missing i'm ann
0: we have been plagued by (laughs) so many things this week um I don't know who to blame, so I'm going to blame the Republicans. Um, (laughs) The conservatives don't want this episode to get to you. They heard we were doing lesbian BDSM book and they said, all the forces of hell will conspire against you to keep this episode from coming out.
1: Yeah, someone's trying to smite us, I swear to God.
0: Just, you might want to be careful with that. He you might, know, the, he yeah, might yeah, drop I, I the whole thing. I tried to
1: change it to gosh at the end, because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I don't, know who's, I don't know who's fucking with us right now. I need to I need to play it safe, because we have to make sure this episode records.
0: Yeah. I oh. think if this audio cuts at all, I'm just quitting the Comics Collective, frankly. <laughs> so. Honestly, That's deleting my
1: Twitter and just going into hiding.
0: What a dream. What a dream come true.
1: Going, to, Going into anonymity.
0: Anonymity. All right. Well, that's that's the whole show.
1: <laughs> that's that's all I have of value to say today.
0: <laughs> all right. And on this fine Tuesday evening, do you want to intro the episode for us? What book are we reading? Oh. Why are we reading it? How are we closing out February?
1: Okay. So to close out February, I thought it'd be a fun idea to read my personal favorite comic of all time, and a comic I realized reading. <laughs> is the oldest comic i've been reading i've been following this since 2012 i i widely considered like 2013 to be the year i got into comics actively for the first time but i've been following this strip online since 2012 watching my deviant art for those notifications every other month or so whenever they come out it's just something that had such a big hold on my life for such a long time. But it was a book that I actually haven't really talked about with other people for the longest time. I've had maybe two serious conversations about this book in my entire life. And it all has to do with the fact that this book is so hard to talk about in like just normal civilized society. I feel like here's one of the good places to because we've already kind of like broken into that with sex criminals this month. Any like, you know, tension in this group is just completely gone. So I feel like I can just completely cut into this book and talk about it. But for anyone who doesn't know and is interested, what the hell am I talking about? Sunstone is a BDSM themed romantic comedy that started in, I think either 2012 or 2011 by um, artist and writer, Stepan Sage. Sorry, I completely botched the name and I sent the pronunciation to the group. So Stepan Sage... Um I was overthinking it I always overthink it it's so much simpler than <laughs> Um and it's about these two women one named Allie one named Lisa who meet online and get together to scratch a certain itch that both of them have and then after they have this little arrangement they start to realize oh no I'm falling in love with this woman I don't know what to do now and these five volumes that we read are about these two women tackling Not just their attraction to each other and the blossoming romance between the two, but also um, themes about intimacy, honesty, and relationships. And it's just, it's a whole lot of something special. It's it's a comic unlike anything I've read before. And the thing I'm dying to hear is, Dallas, what did you think about Sunstone? Because this was your first time through.
0: All right. So, volume one, I said... All right, this is a pretty, pretty nice comic. Mm -hmm. I can see the appeal. This definitely isn't as porny as people want it to be. Volume two of this comic. I was like, dang, that was the scariest scene I've ever read in my entire life. (laughs) In my entire life of intaking horror, reading anything I can get my hands on, nothing has made me crawl out of my skin like volume two. Volume three. Frankly, I barely remember what happened because I was just like rushing through and because volume four hit so hard that it like retroactively overshadowed whatever happened in volume three and volume four was the one where sometimes with comics and this is an exclusively comic book thing where I get to these moments where I want to take the story in so quick. I start to flip through pages and just follow the art without reading the balloons And then I have to like backtrack like 10 pages to like actually read the dialogue. And I did that four or five times in volume four of Sunstone. And that's when it like really hit me like, oh, I'm in. I'm in, in. Like, I liked it. But volume four, I was like, and then the end of volume four, devastated, crushed, frankly, a little pissed. And then, and then, volume five was one of the most transcendent comic book experiences of my entire life. I read that and was retroactively like Sunstone may be one of the greatest comics of all time. This love story, like it has everything. And these characters are so human, so funny. I already miss them. And I have only been away from them for like five days it's beautiful and it's marvelous and it's something I want everyone to read.
1: Yeah. And I'm so, I don't know. It's one of those crazy things. So it's like getting people to read this book is the hard part because it's, it's not an easy pitch. This is not something you walk up to like grandma and say, Hey, look, I have a book for you. This is not a book you read on the train. This is not a book you read on the bus. This is not a book you take anywhere in public. It's, such a sensitive and taboo topic but on the surface it's that you dive beneath it and it becomes something so much deeper so much richer and I think it's just once you get people to get past that and you see where it's going like I think this is definitely a book that you can see gets better over time because it builds towards something that's actually really incredible it's just uh, I always have people to come back to me and say like either I'm glad I stuck with it because they're like There'll be people like, well, BDism isn't, like, my thing. But, like, I'm glad I stuck with it because the story's really good. I'm like, yes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I'm not trying to, like, pitch you your, like, kink comic of the month. I'm trying to pitch you a romance. And it's just, I get so many people to come back and say, I'm so glad I read this. And yet, I'm still shocked every time someone tells me that they liked
0: it. <laughs> it's definitely, like, I have a hard time sharing Saga with people. And Saga is one of the most popular comics of all time. Just because I'm like... I don't know if you're ready for a dragon autofillating, you know? (laughs) And so I can't even imagine if your favorite comic was BDSM lesbians. Like, I don't know how you pitch this to anyone, but your closest of friends...
1: Yeah, that's why it took us so long to get to this on the show. And I thought that, you know, February would be a nice month for that. Because it's a it's a month for lovers, you know. And it's just, I, I feel like it fits in really nicely with the others we picked for this month. So
0: This, if you read comics, you are well versed in the will they, won't they trope of the soap opera. Mm-hmm. You are well aware that Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson are not getting back together anytime soon. They are going to keep bouncing off of each other and circling and this and that in perpetuity. Frankly, this is the book that does the perfect soap opera. Will they, won't they without overstaying its welcome and ending with they will. Mm. And it is so triumphant because you have read hundreds of pages at the point that they finally get together And this romance pays off in such a profound way where the end of this book, you're almost like waiting for them to get it. You know what I mean? I, as Allie is writing, or I'm sorry, as Lisa is writing her story, you're like, Lisa, I know how it has to end. You're, you're messing it up. She's like, something just doesn't feel right. And I was like, Lisa, you're losing your damn mind. I know how it has to end. Grow some cajones. And then... (laughs) Her evil self-hate ghost is like, I'm not so evil, grow some cojones. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And like the big splash page of like, they're finally together. This is Mm -hmm. it. Made my heart sing. (laughs) Oh,
1: it's. It's one of my favorite splashes of all time. It makes my heart go dokey dokey. It's just so, so freaking cute. And it's crazy because this is one of the books where it's like, they let you know from like the very beginning that this is how it ends. They're going to end up together. But still mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing, there's this really great tension because there's so many awkward scenes where they're just like trying to figure out how to define this relationship. And there's two idiots on the page. And I mean this so lovingly. But two idiots on the page who are very clearly in love with each other, but are just too afraid to tell the other one they love him because they're not sure if the other one feels the same way. And you just feel like Captain Barbosa looking at these pages like just kiss already, but for like real this time, not just like because of benefits, you know? <laughs> like like real romantic kiss. And it's just I, I think that build-up was impressive. It's reading this back, because this is probably like the upteenth time I've read this entire series through front to back it's definitely experience seeing how it changed from the beginning to the end because reading this as I did when it was coming out you know it's like a slow process you can't exactly see like the beginning of the picture compared to the end of it it just feels like it's just going on this is how it goes but reading it in one sitting you can definitely tell that Steppen stayed um he tried something in the beginning, and you can feel it really come together, not just quality-wise, but narrative-wise as it, as it goes on. It's a story that builds outwards rather than inwards towards the end. I think that's something really special and gives it a lot of momentum that a lot of comics don't have. And it's, it's an experience.
0: Yeah, it somehow had the feeling at the end of something that was very carefully planned out the whole way while having a quality of improvisation. As it goes. I feel like Sunstone was very good at saying yes and to the things that were working.
1: Right. And yeah, that's one of the things I felt really well. Excuse me. Really well in like volume one, where it's like, I'm going, volume one feels very much like I'm going to try this thing and I'm going to plant some eggs. And if they, if this goes somewhere, plant some seeds, plant some eggs. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to plant some (laughs) seeds. This is what happens when we don't have Lexi. I just lose my mind. Um, I'm going to plant some seeds. If this goes somewhere, fine. I can take this somewhere. But if it doesn't, this is just like a short little thing. And we'll be fine. And it's funny because reading this in like the print editions, he went back and he definitely edited some scenes and added some dialogue in places to make things more clear. He's, this was definitely a work in progress as he went. And I'd be really interested to actually go back and read those original strips because I think they're still available if you go look for them and just see how the story has evolved and aged as time's gone on.
0: This this is an interesting comic as well because it it's it is a work in progress and it's something that Stepan works hard to put into people's hands. Like mm-hmm. I have seen the free Dropbox files of these from Stepan like dozens of times. Like mm-hmm. this is not a hard comic to get a very good copy of for free 99 from the source himself from Mr. (laughs) Stapon. So please don't pirate this comic. Go read it for free from Stapon.
1: And it's, that's, I think that's one of the coolest things about him is he's always like, I always want my work to be available for free. So you can subscribe to his Patreon if you want, which I highly recommend. I was subbed for a little while and you get so many great goodies and, just following so many of his great comics because this isn't the only one he's been working on. He has like three or four projects working simultaneously, and they're all just peak quality to me. So, yeah, that's my that's that's my little um, pitch for his stuff. Make sure you check that out. Um, this is I I my mind's just spinning because there's like so many places to go, and I need to make sure we get it all covered in this time. So we got the relationship covered the relationship that is at the heart of this between Allie and Lisa, but there's a lot of other characters here too, before we get into like some of the major themes. And before we get into the, um the giant elephant in the room, which is how this book handles sex and BDSM, would you like to cover some of the other characters first and give a, our listeners a little bit of a taste of this world and the people who really make it special? Cause they are some of the most human characters I've ever met in the story.
0: Yes, I can do that. So, like we said, the main couple is our Allie and Lisa, uh, Lisa being the author and narrator of this story, mm-hmm. Allie being her love interest and the co-lead. Uh, we'll, we'll talk plenty about them as we go. <laughs> um, the next major character, I would say, is probably Alan, the mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend and doorway into the world of BDSM for Allie. Alan is longtime friend of Allie. He's sort of like the snarky sidekick character mm-hmm. that like is constantly giving them crap and can kind of see the writing on the wall, but doesn't feel like it's his place to butt in mm-hmm. with the characters.
1: He's, He's one of my favorite characters in this whole thing. I think it's partially because he gets really fleshed out as this whole thing goes on. I'm not sure if you've read any of the volumes of Mercy yet, which came after this. Mm-hmm. They dive so deeply into him. He's just he's just a lovable goof. I love him so much. He's like I want to give him a hug. He's he's the the hug friend of the. Group. I just
0: think I want to shave his stupid facial hair. That's that's I... also true.
1: Get rid of the get rid of the the, little,
0: the, the goatee without the mustache is the worst. If you're rocking it right now, listening to this. <laughs> This is a Comics Collective PSA. No one has ever rocked the goatee without the mustache look. The underbeard, it's not cool. Mm -hmm. Never been neat. And frankly, this book is propaganda for that look. And I hate it. I could not stand his facial hair. (laughs) i think it looks good in this art style i I disagree i think he looks i
1: think he looks good there's i need a i need a the meme of the handshake except it's you and Allie and wanting to shave alan's facial hair i do for different reasons though
0: word honestly (laughs) word um i thought alan brought a really fun sense of humor to the book Mm -hmm. and his constant like negging and little sexual innuendos really help help to lighten the mood mm-hmm. in a book that is very funny. Like I was somewhat surprised when you said romantic comedy, but it totally fits. Yeah, like, this is a romantic comedy, and I think that he he brings a boy humor to a very female book <laughs> in a way that I appreciated. And I was like, yep. <laughs>
1: See, that's – I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the things because this is the first time I've really read this book as Anne because it's been a few years since I've gone all the way through this and I was very curious and also a little scared and hesitant about how I would react to it now that I've had, like – a very different like life experience, and things have been changing so much over the last couple of years. I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to look at this book any differently because, you know, everything's subjective. The way you read and approach things can change day to day, much less year to year, you know. And I was very concerned for some of the scenes that Alan was in, and there are some of them that I don't think play as well as I thought they did. There's definitely some moments where Alan brings in a little bit of boy humor. There's a couple of, a couple of moments here where I can tell, like, oh, this was. You we were actually texting about it before where it's like this was written by by the boy, you know? But which is actually I appreciate because there's only a few moments like that. Most of this book is very, very respectful towards its female characters, and that's something that's just like it's so easy. You can write super sexy book and be respectful of your female characters at the same time. Look, you have five hundred pages of this where it did just that. Follow this example, please. Big two comics, I'm begging you. And then um So Alan's responsible for a couple of those to me, but honestly, I'm not sure if they are like actually like things that got under my skin or if I was just being like overly not picky about it because I'm like, I'm, it's, it's hard to like read this book with other people because I'm like, I feel like I need to justify everything and it's like, oh, if this doesn't click, I'm going to have to like jump into the fence and try to explain it because that's... (laughs) basically been my experience with this book from day one is I'm just like defending this book and why I like it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a struggle. So I feel like I definitely read through this time on edge. But I'm very glad to say that even on edge, most of Alan's jokes still worked. Him and um Allie especially have this really great back and forth that really screams like lifelong friends. They they weren't lifelong friends, but they have this brother sister bond that's just incredible.
0: Yes, I agree. And I definitely understand the feeling of reading on edge for your friends. I, I experienced a similar thing with Saga where I caught myself being way harsher on it, my most recent mm-hmm. read-through, than I've ever been before because I was like, I'm showing the world my baby. And if it has any warts, they'll hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and I I love Sunstone warts and all. Like I do think there were a few times, like you said, that it was clear that the boy was writing the book. I think a big one that stood out for me was the treatment of periods and like mm-hmm. that time of the month. It was always played as like, darn, this icky, gross thing that keeps us from any amount of intimacy. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, that isn't always the case. See, <laughs> it's like, what? See, I was you actually... might just be a coward, Stapon. Oh, I don't know God. what to tell you. <laughs>
1: See, I was actually approaching it from a different angle, because I noticed that, like, a lot of times when those happen, or when some of the bigger emotional beats happen, I'm just like, you know that women can have emotions when they're not on their periods, right? This can happen whenever, but it's just like, it happened, like, three times, you know, once is just, like, it happens twice as a coincidence, three times it starts to become a pattern, and I just, like, that was something that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit, because you you mentioned that to me, so I was keeping my eye out for it, and and I definitely noticed something just in a different way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's a very small complaint in a sea of Mm -hmm. love for this book.
1: Yeah, I had to bring that up because I can't let everyone think that I'm just like going wishy-washy on this book because it's my favorite. I will definitely be critical of it when I need to be.
0: All right, all right, all right. Next character is, drumroll please, Anne. Yes, you heard it here. My (laughs) co-host Anne Brenneman uh, gave us a book that she is in. She is literally in this book.
1: And that's a retcon.
0: And that's a (laughs) retcon. That's a retcon. She is a tattoo artist. She is introduced in volume three, question mark? Volume two. Volume two. You See, see her in
1: volume two, you meet, you like get to know her in volume three.
0: Yeah, she becomes close friends with Allie and Lisa through mutual friends. And she sort of serves as the POV character once Lisa is too deep to be the POV character. Like you have this fish out of water aspect to Lisa at first, but once Lisa is committed to the BDSM world, it felt like Stepan had to reintroduce someone to be like, this is all kind of crazy because the majority of readers of this book are going to be like, this is all kind of crazy, but we got to then fall in love all over again with Ali right. and Lisa right alongside Anne making her a brilliant character and a character I'm very excited to continue on with into mercy.
1: Yeah, because it's all about her. And she has some really great backstory. And yeah, I'm very excited to see what you have to say when you get there. But Anne is obviously a character that's very near and dear to my heart. Because, fun story for anyone who doesn't know, I've talked about it on Twitter a few times, but Anne from this comic is the inspiration behind me taking the name Anne when I came out and transitioned. And it's just kind of kind of crazy that that's how that worked. I have... um. Both of my chosen names are definitely comics-based because you know Carol, I picked because of Carol Danvers. I picked that because it's like this is the this is the woman I want to be. I want to be someone who's strong and courageous and you know powerful and bold. And I also liked Anne because part of it came from my dead name. It's could have been the way I figured it's like it could have been shortened for my dead name, but also. And is just this really special character from this book. And I could go into like so much detail about why. I think the whole journey of her through volume three into volume five of just coming into this world and finding out stuff about not just herself, but about this other community she didn't even know existed. There's a lot in there that resonated with me very personally. And she's just a character who's like, this is another character that I wish I could be. Because she's funny, but she's also very independent, very, very bold. And she cares so deeply for these people that she's, like, just met. They become good friends of hers, but that's because she's such an empathetic and caring person. She gets sucked into this, um, this drama between these two dumbasses that she doesn't even really know. And she still decides to, like, take care of it and take care of them anyway. And it leads to this really strong, really unique friendship. And uh, it's just, there's something really, sp- you know, when you find a character that's just like really special to you, and every time they're on page, you just kind of like have to sit there and savor it for a minute. That's who Anne eventually became for me. I was, the way I actually picked it is I was reading through Sunstone one day when I was thinking about names, and I just saw Anne on pa- on the page, and it's actually in Volume 6, where she um is talking to a friend of hers about how her name is Marion, and people called her Anne for short. And I'm like, oh, that's really neat. That's really cool. And I thought about how, like, if my dead name had been spelled differently, I could have done the same exact thing. So I'm like, wait, what if I just did that? What if I just rolled with that and I could base myself off this character? And I thought that was that was so cool. One of the small perks of being trans is being able to pick your own name because it's it's a very special experience. That is really cool.
0: Thanks for sharing that.
1: That was really neat. Yeah, no problem. Just a little bit of the the fun stuff I get to talk about in this. So, yeah, this book's my favorite for a lot of reasons. It's a very personal story to me.
0: See, I like your name Carol because I can call you Carrie for short. You know?
1: You can? Is yep. that a thing?
0: This is now a canon retcon. Oh, uh, no. we're, we're allowed to call Anne uh, Carrie. I'm going
1: back. <laughs> I, I <laughs> can <changed. laughs> It's like, what's your new first name? I don't have one anymore.
0: I uh, it's just Juniper. blank Juniper. It's Just blank.
1: Do not refer to me.
0: That's okay. Um, all the guys I worked with when I was a teenager, I worked construction when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. and I had pretty long hair, and so they all called me Alice all the time because Alice was part of the name Dallas, and they thought comedy gold, comedy yeah, gold. They were. Mm-hmm. And so they were just like, Alice, come dig the hole. Honestly, I owned it. I was Alice for a year. I was like, what can I say? What can I say? It's a great name. And I'm hot. Who would have thought?
1: I'm just glad we know the name of your Earth 11 counterpart now.
0: Exactly. Earth 11 Dallas, less busty, though.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Shut the fuck. What did you think about Anne?
0: (laughs) I thought she was so neat. I thought she was so fun. And I'm very glad she's the character that, like, I was so glad when her and Alan's orbits finally met. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad that they're the characters moving forward because I feel like they were definitely the ones I wanted to know the most about. Mm -hmm. And Strapan definitely knew that in the later volumes where he kept being, like, teasing a story and being like, "But we'll get to that. And I was like, you bastard, get to it now. But I'm secretly (laughs) glad he didn't get to it now because now I get a whole other thing.
1: You know what's funny about that is reading this as it's coming out is Stapon isn't just putting out like week-to-week strips and that's it. He also put out a lot of different images and just out-of-context strips for just like things he was thinking about doing in the future. Like the scene um, in volume four, I believe, it's the, the porn story that Lisa wrote about Anne and Allie. That we get in its basically entirety in the story, that was just panel. Those were panels that had been up since like 2013, 2012, 2013, and they didn't get put in the story until years later. So they just kind of existed. I actually wrote this down in my notes. It's like this: this book is so weird in the way that it's the opposite of how most stories work. This is the book where the porn fan fiction came first, and then the actual story came second where you take the because most stories is like you have the 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 story you have the the plotline the characters and people make like fan fiction porn after that. this went the other way where it's like he would draw sexy pictures and he's like, I'm gonna make a story out of that and then made it into like this phenomenal romance story. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? That makes no goddamn sense
0: it's it's really cool how he's able to walk that line though because I was thinking just today I'm currently reading. The Dark Tower, book one, The Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Stephen King, he's as talented as everyone said. But he also writes sex as weird as everybody said he did. Like For years, what I heard about Stephen King was like, every book's good, but it's got a weird sex scene in it. And I was like, is that really true? So far, it's one for one. There was a <laughs> sex scene that I was like, that was very weird, Mr. King. Very, mm-hmm. And it's a bummer that two of my favorite Well, one of my favorite authors, George R.R. Martin, and then someone who could become a favorite author in Stephen King, they're these phenomenal writers with these amazing stories, and you just sort of have to be like, and I'll deal with whatever weird sex stuff comes up, I guess, because they're fucking weirdos. Mm -hmm. And it's just really nice that Sunstone isn't that way. Like, if you think Sunstone might be that way, and you might be a little squicky about the BDSM, I promise you it's not that way. It is loving it is respectful and it has a purpose Mm -hmm. sometimes that purpose is to be hot but also it always moves the ball forward with the themes of trust and love and acceptance and being honest with yourself and within your relationship Mm -hmm. like i don't think i've ever seen more intentional sex scenes that are more respectful Mm
1: -hmm. and it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's hard to even call them sex scenes because it skips most of the sex (laughs) My, my favorite panels are the ones where it's like things get started and then it cuts to like just a little strip where it just says anyways or something like no one wants to see this and then it skips to the aftermath because the act isn't what's important it's what's being said there's so many sex scenes but like almost I'd be remiss if any of them weren't accompanied by a narration explaining either the intimacy of the moment, the, the action itself, or just talking about like BDSM and just the, the kink, the fetish and just the relationship in general. It's no scene. You said it perfectly. No scene is without purpose in this book. It's either to set up something later on, or it's to establish a current like status quo between characters and it's kind of crazy i actually wrote down my notes where it's like it sucks that sex ed sucks so much that we have to use books like this for it but this very much feels like i'm going to educate you about like what bdsm is actually like because it's like there's the popular media version of like sex and bdsm where it's like this is here to make you aroused or to make you feel weird but this story is like actually this is here because we need to talk about Relationship dynamics. We need to talk about trust between two people. And we also need to talk about the weirder parts about sex because no one ever talks about that. And that's this really cool balance that I don't think a lot of stories have the emotional maturity to embrace or feel the need to talk about. Because there's so often a sex scene is used specifically to be like, I'm going to add a little bit of spice to the story. They're going to fuck fuck and then it's like oh it wasn't that hot okay anyway back on to the alien apocalypse story this is a story that focuses around it so it can't do that it has to make this a core central theme it has to make it the heartbeat of the story in a way and this it does it so fabulously well where even if there are some scenes where I'm like kind of reading through it I'm kind of like blushing I'm like I hope this I hope this lands well I know it will because just focusing on the narration through it It's telling a super solid story. It's telling a very important story too. In a way that requires a lot of honesty from the reader and from the writer. And I think that's also kind of funny. Because it's like talking about the dynamics in the relationship in the book. You also have to have that relationship as a reader with this book, I think.
0: I would agree. I think it's really interesting that we read this right after Sex Criminals. Uh um, Because Sex Criminals is an entire book built around the orgasm Mm -hmm. and the, the very like phallocentric completionist version of intercourse of like where we get in there so we can ejaculate. And then that's, that's the purpose of the intercourse. And I'm not trying to knock sex criminals, but it, it is a very male dominated, very, like I said, phallocentric version of sex. And I think it's so interesting that Sunstone is, foreplay and aftercare like that is what the sex scenes of Sunstone are that they literally are the exact opposite ends of the central bit that sex criminals jumps to all the time and the fact that one is labeled like indie masterpiece and one is often labeled like that porn comic Mm -hmm. is annoying to me I was like frankly feels homophobic and anti-feminist That's all I gotta say (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, it's just <laughs> yeah, that's about how it is. I honestly think sex criminals had a lot of great things to say about sex. There are some really great issues in there I'm going to remember forever. I think the asexual issue was fantastic. I think the issue um I remember it's the the lecture issue. That one still stands out to me. There's a lot of great things in here, but this this book talks so much more about like the act itself and the relationship between the two people in it, than I think sex criminals did I think one volume of this does that more than sex criminals did over like six volumes. I the think the focus was definitely strictly on the act in this book.
0: Yes. That is correct. Um I like these books for different reasons because yeah. I I don't think I've ever related to a meat cute more than I did in Sex Criminals. And mm-hmm. just like When I met my wife, I fell in love with her like that. Like, I was gone immediately. There was no will they, won't they. Oh, we're just friends. I was off the cliff immediately when I met Addie. And so I really like in Sex Criminals that I felt represented there. But then also, dear listener, there was a very stupid point in Dallas's life where I got cold feet and I dumped Addie after we had dated for like four months or so, I was like, I've never been in a serious, serious relationship, and I can see this going somewhere, and so I am going to bounce, and so I just, like, got scared and pulled the plug, and so Volume 4 through the beginning of Volume 5, that, like, month-long period where they know they're in love, but they don't know how to come back together, I also felt very seen there. I was like, yep, that happened to me too. And so I feel like I have these weird two pillars of like, this is how my love story felt too. And so it was really fun to read those and compare them back and forth. Mm -hmm. But I think the only depiction of sex that I liked better in any comic over Sunstone. Like Sunstone reigns supreme, but like one specific example that I like better was um Fard's giant testicles in saga. I think <laughs> when Fard comes up and Fard says, Fard piss on you, that that was a little bit that taught me a little bit more than what Sunstone teaches. But <laughs> but other than that, you thought I had a real answer too. <laughs>
1: I was so, I was, I was here for it. I was waiting for it. I was like, okay, let me hear it. Where's, where's it coming from? What book? It can't be the one where Batman has sex. Cause that's never happened.
0: Batman has never had sex.
1: Never. Batman can't touch Sunstone. Cause he's like, what the fuck is going on?
0: Yeah. He's like, I bought all the fetish wear, but then I just wore it to
1: defend the night. It's <laughs> like, why won't these superheroes go out and fight crime? Why do they keep fighting each other? What's going on? Exactly.
0: He's like, what are you looking for down there? There's crime to investigate.
1: <laughs> gets halfway through volume one. Wait, these aren't heroes. They don't do that. Hold on.
0: Uh, Robin, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: see, I'm glad you brought up the, because um, I didn't know that story about you and Addy. And I didn't know that. It, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, I love it when stories connect that emotionally with people. And this is going back and reading it again. The, It was hitting me a lot that I'm like, this is a book that was telling me something before I realized there was something there to tell. Because it's, this was the first comic I'd ever read where sex was treated as something really good and wholesome and positive between two caring individuals. Because when you're growing up, that's just, people just don't talk about it. You're left to find out on your own what sex is. And oftentimes you don't have the best depictions of it because you're left to discover it through media and the internet. And oftentimes those are both awful, awful places to learn about what sex is supposed to be like. So learning about these two people having this relationship, having these parts of themselves that are so considered like out there by society and taboo that they're not allowed to talk about and finding this group that they relate to and that have similar experiences made it, you know, it's, it serves to make people feel less alone. And I think that's fantastic. And the more I learned about myself, about like my own sexuality, about my own gender. And I started to realize like, this is the same journey of self-discovery I've been on always. It just took me a long time to get there. Cause I didn't have my group, you know, I didn't have the people to tell me like, these feelings you have aren't abnormal. And, you know, other people have them too. They're not just random things. And to put things into context and have people to bounce that off of. And it's just, it's so cool to go back and find that extra, that extra layer here inside Sunstone. And I think I always kind of knew that. And that's why it just stuck with me for so long. And I gotta be honest, reading this again for the last, not the last time, this last time through, it was just such, A very emotional experience there were a lot of points that hit me really hard the moment where Allie's on the couch with alan and coming to the terms with the fact that she's um a lesbian that was um that was an oh shit moment that was very very familiar to me because i'm like i had that moment i remember that oh shit moment and it was terrifying but also like the most exciting moment of my life and yeah this comic just it hits me right where i live for a lot of different reasons
0: it's an incredibly human comic because at the end of the day, I am not a woman. I am not a lesbian, and I do not participate in BDSM. But like I learned things about myself reading this comic. Um, one of the themes that went throughout that I really loved was like be choosing to be radically honest with a partner mm-hmm. and like say the embarrassing bits out loud. I feel like that was something that I felt empowering me throughout the week as I read this to do in my own relationship to just like, instead of being embarrassed, instead of just like deciding to be quiet to not stir the waters at all. Just like Mm -hmm. say what you want out of a relationship, say what is on your mind. And I found that my relationship was behaving in a more healthy way because of it. And like, that was something I learned from Sunstone. And so I, I think this comic has a lot of value for anybody that wants to read it and that wants to have a, a healthy romantic relationship
1: very very much so because it's that whole idea of partnership and the fact that if you're not open with each other if you don't talk about it it falls apart because trust is about honesty and that's something that I think a lot of people could take to heart there's a lot of things in here for people to look at and to you know like you said just kind of apply to your own life and i think that's really really great from a book that's always pitched as that porn comic
0: this is not a porn comic everyone don't read it on the train though
1: don't read it on the train there is nudity and people do not like the female nipple so do not
0: they do not (laughs) I mean, some of us like them. But some
1: of us like them,
0: but... Society as a whole.
1: <laughs> society sucks.
0: Not as much. <laughs> we live in a society. We
1: live in a society. We also live in a society where it's socially acceptable to read Fifty Shades of Grey everywhere, but not this.
0: That is very you true.
1: I actually wrote that down in my notes. I just wrote, Fifty Shades of Grey really fucking sucks.
0: <laughs> it really does. I i think I went into that last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, sometimes I forget what I say <laughs> on the mic and what I don't say on the mic.
1: Oh, that was that was off mic. We talked about Fifty Shades of Gray off mic. We talked about how much it's not great, but it's funny to watch because it's awful.
0: Not a good movie. Also, not, not a, good movie. a good not a good BDSM movie. Frankly, oh. now that I've read all this, I feel like an expert. But
1: yeah. I was actually having a conversation with a friend who was like, "I don't know if the depiction here was really like sincere. It feels like an idealized version." I'm like, well, do you think that because it's like that's what media has told you or because that's what you actually know? And I think it's because the version that you see in stuff like Fifty Shades of Grey is very much like the sensationalized media version that's meant to, like, get people off as quickly as possible. But this one feels like the first story where someone's like, I'm going to talk to you about it honestly and give you, like, an actual real-life experience. And that was something really cool throughout the whole thing, to me at least.
0: So you might know this. Is this, like, something that... Is a part of Stepan's life, or is this just something that he researched? Like, it is part lot. of his.
1: He's he talked about it in the bit of in the back of one of the books. It's definitely something that he is familiar with.
0: Word, mm-hmm. word, yeah. It it feels honest, and it it has monologues that you're like. These are feelings I don't feel like you can just stir up as yeah. a writer.
1: You just pull out of your ass.
0: <laughs> pull some things out of your ass. Pull some floor.
1: things out of your ass. So. <laughs> I I need a second
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, well you have your moment there um, thinking about that I'm gonna move on to Cassie and Tom
1: oh yeah we were talking about characters right
0: the couple that I relate to being the worst I another story time from Dallas this is just the story time from Dallas podcast frankly if you you realize that like six episodes that's the era we're in that's your fault Um, that's on you at this point It is, it is, it is me, my fault. Oh,
1: not you, I was talking, oh, fine, fine.
0: (laughs) It's also their fault, they're encouraging me. I never realized how much I, like, kiss my wife on, like, her forehead or, like, her cheek, just, like, randomly, until I was watching our uncut wedding video back. They sent us the, like, we recorded the whole day thing, and I was like, I'm gonna beat that guy up. Like, what, (laughs) why? why is it every 15 seconds? What is going? She's not going anywhere. My guy, what are you doing? And so like this couple that is so into each other that it's the worst. I was like, mood, that is the mood you two. And I feel like they're pretty minor characters in this Mm -hmm. five volumes, but they are a fun end goal to see that. Like while Allie and Lisa are working towards being a couple We get to see what a happy couple in this world looks like, Mm -hmm. which is great.
1: There's a lot of that where it's like this, all the side characters feel incredibly fleshed out. And a lot of that, I think a lot of it's funny because there's plans for a lot of these side characters to have their own series or like story later on. So you get like these little plants all over the place of just step on saying like, I'm going to come back to you later. I'm going to introduce you because you're going to be so important. And they just give the story so much more life and so much more flavor and so much more variety because it's just so many different people engaged in like the same like space, you know? And I think that was very important to see where it's like, you can have all these different people who have this one thing in common and that's completely normal. Surprise. I, I, that was actually a really common theme that I liked where it's like, I remember like Anne meets like um, Lisa and she's like, well, I just look at you, I could never tell. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing.
0: I, yeah, everyone has a distinct personality, which is really fun mm-hmm. as well.
1: Um, Even though like ninety percent of them are redheads,
0: they and they all have the same face. I've been holding it in for this whole episode. Stapeon Sage draws one face and. <laughs> excuse you
1: he draws and, at least five faces and it is with one face no
0: sizes it is one face and like you posted this captain marvel fan art the other day that i was like this man draws one face it's a good face i like the face but it's one face i was like and so when there are like 19 redheads at one table i was like stepan is becoming too much there are too many Weasleys at this table.
1: Run out of
0: Weasley!
1: <laughs> oh, just if you think that's great, just wait until you see Lisa show up as Mara in the Aquaman book. <laughs> that's bro. phenomenal, bro. I really liked Anne. I really liked Anne and Harleen. Yeah, yeah. I think she plays a great Harley Quinn.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the same people. Mm-hmm.
1: Anne. I think it... there's subtle differences that, if you pay attention to, you'll you'll notice. You listen, D- Dallas, We haven't read this book 50 times like I have. There's subtle differences. There are I subtle. Uh, the notes after, is, the uh,
0: <laughs> after the 26th time, uh, you realize that in Daredevil 43, Daredevil sleeps in a coffin, and uh, the nose is a slightly different size on Allie. Also, Allie's glasses are dorky. I'll say it. Who the hell has just the bottom rim on glasses? Ugly. Um, she No does. can do, Allie. It's not the look
1: it's a look. She has her look. She has a very iconic look.
0: She is nerd sexy for sure. She is nerd sexy. I was like, dang, that's some World of Warcraft nerd sexy.
1: <laughs> oh, I like how relatable Tom and Cassie are. They're they're like the most realistic couple in this whole thing to me.
0: Yes. I I like that they tease each other, but mm-hmm. I like that they, they support each other in the important moments and they tease each other about the non-important things.
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And- like, ideal couple goals like you gotta have that like ribbing back and forth but like l- lovingly I I love that she cannot tie him up also that's that's the funniest repeating gag in the whole thing
0: it is really good when he reaches for the phone I, <laughs> I was like maybe she pulled it off this time no she did not nope,
1: she did not this poor this poor woman
0: this-
1: he-, he goes along with it though he's just like I will do anything to make you happy <laughs> because he is a loving and supporting partner Oh, do you want to go off loving and supporting for a second and talk a little bit about Marion, who is gives us one of the first like real moments in the whole story?
0: Yeah, so I made reference to it at the beginning of the episode. Volume two has one of the scariest moments of all time mm-hmm. in a flashback when we find out about this character Marion, who was a sub for Alan mm-hmm. and. An ex girlfriend of Alan, as well, who didn't set up healthy boundaries in her life, between her life and her sex life. And there was an accident um, having to do with bondage that ended up really hurting her. Mm-hmm. And it was terrifying. And it, it like, awoke a little bit of claustrophobia in me that I don't know if it's ever going to go away. Because, like, every bondage scene after that, there was, like, a little bit of, like, a heart flutter of, like, oh, it could go mm-hmm. wrong. It could go. And I was like, that's great to discover at 25. Just a smidgen <laughs> yeah. of claustrophobia because of a story.
1: See, that's the fun part. You had an awakening with the story, just not the one you thought you were
0: going <laughs> to yeah. have. Yeah. You, you got a new name and I got a new phobia. So... <laughs> We did not have the same experience. We did not
1: have the same experience. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like I chose the name Marion because I want to scare people shitless. Yeah,
0: for real. For real. It's,
1: yeah, I thought her, her story was a great introduction. She's going to come back later at some point. He has plans for her. And it, I'm really interested to see how that goes because she's the moment where you realize like this story isn't just here to serve like sexiness and sexy times. That's part of the honesty of it is they're talking about how seriously wrong this can go. If you don't treat it as something serious and aren't honest with your partners.
0: Yes, definitely. I'm going to admit I'm a bad Sunstone fan. You have two more names on this list and I don't (gasps) remember who Harper and Chris are. Are they the owners of the club?
1: Yeah, they were just on there. They're just characters who are just kind of there. I put them on there in case anyone had anything to say. But um, unless Lexi has something to say. Lexi? Do you have anything to No, nope. Lexi? Okay, cool. Yeah, Harper is the owner of the club. We see a little bit of him. And Chris is the the normal friend. He's the, the vanilla one in the group who's like, I'm here. I make these things. I do not fucking understand what's going on.
0: Same. He's- mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's... He's the real self-insert for the audience.
0: <laughs> okay, that makes me feel a little less bad. I was Good. like, "How did I forget main characters?" Yeah, no,
1: you didn't forget main characters. You forgot. You forgot the little side characters. You're okay. You're you're fine. Keep shining. You're great. <laughs> um, just, I'm sorry, just I'm. I was thinking about him, Chris being like, "I don't get it." I just thought about the scene where Anne googles BDSM for the first time, and she just screams, "What the fuck?" Because. Yeah that's the perfect introduction to her in volume three and everything she goes through. But yeah, oh, we have talked a lot about the themes. Do you want to talk a little bit about the art? Because I know you have a, a same face thing going on, but do you have anything else to say about the art style? Cause Sage has such a very, very unique and recognizable art style.
0: He definitely does. Like, you know, a stay Sage when you see it. Um, I think he he has a real mastery of human anatomy. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of have to with like how the bodies get contorted in this book. And, but there, there's like a playful realism to Mm -hmm. Stapan's work where, and, but then there's also like, there are pages where, way more detail gets poured in and it's almost like emphasize a moment. Mm -hmm. And then there are panels where there's a much more simple art style. And it's usually to sell a joke. It sort of slips into more of like a web comic style almost to sell a meme. And I think the back and forth between almost like high painting, fine art and internet funny meme in this book is really interesting because the style of Sage never disappears between the styles
1: i yeah i thought that was something so i think it's i feel like it was something that was done just to expedite the process because you know those high detail pages definitely take a lot more time to get like finalized and some of the like just simpler pages are a little more rough around the edges they have like rougher coloring and stuff like that and i think that's you know it works for the pages they're on i think that helps sell the jokes better i think think it helps sell the humanity better but when you want to have like these big crescendo moments these big like emphasize beats, I think the highlighted pages sell it so well and I don't know if any other comic artists do the same. I Most other books I read, it's like the artist keeps the same style, the same quality through like the whole book. This is the first one I've seen where they actually have a different style to emphasize different moments. At least I can think of off the top of my head.
0: It's also interesting reading this book because like you said their scenes have been drawn out of order mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit harder to track a trajectory of Stepon's work like you can with mm-hmm. Fiona Staples. You look at the first page of Saga versus the most recent page of Saga and it's night and day, mm-hmm. the, the art style. And I think the same can probably be said for Sage, but because of how these scenes have been patchworked together, it for me at least, there was never like a jarring change in, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in the quality of art. And that's not to say it didn't get better. It just started at such a high level.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's funny you mention that, because there's, like, stuff, there's images I remember from very early days that get stitched into, like, the end of Volume 5 later. Like, there's the the scene from one of um, Lisa's stories where she, it has the really funny joke where her and Anne are pushed push together, and Anne's just, Lisa's just like, so how are the kids? And I lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> The scene that happens right after that was something that was around long before Anne had ever been introduced into like the actual story. So that was that's really cool to see how he brought back so many of those different panels. And you'll see him in like the backgrounds of different scenes, just like little things he drew. Like this is just like a, a warm-up sketch or something, just tacked into the background. And I thought that was really cool.
0: I agree. Um I think it's a pretty distinct angular style that I know like turns some people off, but I don't know. The guy knows how to draw sexy humans (laughs) at the end of the day. Like at the
1: end of the day,
0: there are some hot people in here.
1: (sighs) Ugh. That's a great way to, to segue into some audience questions, because we need to get you, this is the end of the day, and we need to get you headed off to bed.
0: I'm I'm sorry that your episode came uh, to be recorded at 9.30 at night, and that I'm such a lightweight that goes to bed at 10.30 at night.
1: No, no, it's okay. This is like, this is like the only second or third time I've gotten to talk about the story, so I'm looking forward to getting to talk about it more. Now they have opened up a little bit. This is a story, like, if anyone has questions, like, DM me. Because I love fucking talking about this story so much. Didn't even... Yeah, it's just incredible.
0: So. It's, it's hard because, like, it feels like something you have to experience. I don't feel like there's any amount of me telling you, this is really good. This is really wholesome. This has one of the best relationships in comics that's going to sell it in quite the way that reading it is.
1: Exactly. And
0: I know that probably sounds like lazy comics journalism. And maybe it is. I don't know. But (laughs) I would just love for you to take our word for it and take a chance on this comic. Because we haven't led you astray yet. Exactly. We
1: tried to with Lock and (laughs) Key.
0: We tried to, but then we couldn't bring ourselves to. Exactly. This, This gets like a two thumbs up Five out of five stars from Dallas Taylor. Please check out this book. And please stick with it. Because volume one and two, I was like, this is a good comic. There's never at any point that I had any doubt about this being a good comic. But volume four and five were amazing comics that I couldn't put down. I haven't had an experience like that in a long time. Where I was like, and I'm just reading these last 150 pages. The room could catch on fire. And I'm reading these last 150 pages. Nothing's tearing me away. Mm-hmm.
1: Volume 5 is my favorite single graphic novel of all time.
0: It's and a it good will probably
1: stay that way for a very, very long time. I welcome any book to challenge it, though.
0: Yes. Yep. It's, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful love story.
1: <sighs> I'm just so glad you liked it. I'll have to text Lexi after this and figure out what she thought. <sighs> but... With that, would you like to cover a couple of these viewer questions and may as we can get to before we need to send you off to visit the Sandman?
0: Yes. From Evan, we have, dear fellow podcasters, Sunstone is one of those comics that is known for tackling a taboo subject matter in a mature, or at least well-meaning and thoughtful, way. I think it's wonderful to see sex and relationships talked about in such a detailed and open manner that makes it feel normal, despite how weird, wet, gross, and embarrassing (laughs) it can be.
1: You have to include wet.
0: I mean, I think it's always that way if you're doing it right. I think it's important that these combos take place and comics are potentially the best and safest medium to do so in. So my question is, is there a taboo topic you would like to see explored in a similar way in comics? And also, who do you think is better at the fellatio? Oliver Queen, John from Sex Criminals, or any of the Sunstone Squad? Literally any of the Sunstone squad is clearing those fools like that. <laughs> it is not even a contest
1: this this is what they do. Oliver Queen shoots arrows. These guys they 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 they, they cunnilingus. That's what they do.
0: It is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A. There's a whole... Oliver Queen has never had a lisp for an extended amount of time in a graphic novel. <laughs> Lisa has, and also, also this might be TMI. It's late at night when yep. she was like, "It's not the actual tongue that's sore; it's the little connector underneath." I was like, "Yes, that is the part that gets sore." You are right, Lisa. The,
1: the, the, it's the Leo meme where you just point.
0: I, I was, yes. I felt very seen. I was like, "Yes, absolutely,
1: exactly." <laughs> So, yeah, that's the answer to that one. Um are there any taboo topics you would like to see covered in a similar way? I
0: don't think I know that many taboo topics.
1: You don't you don't dabble in the taboo? In the- um
0: this is totally out of left field. Um but being the, this might be taboo to some people. Being a Mormon? There are no mm-hmm. comic books about my experience <laughs> and there are no there's no like positive representation in media. And sometimes I get really tired of reading over and over all day long about how I belong to an evil cult when mm-hmm. it's not true. And so that is a little bit of a taboo topic that I would love touched on. is like the de of mm-hmm. me and my peoples.
1: I I can definitely see that. I was going to say just being transgender because that's one that has... It's had good representation in comics before. Read um, Girl Haven, if you haven't yet. It's fantastic. By Lila Sturgis. It's just... mm, Chef's kiss. I would love to talk about it. But that's that's one where it's like... The honesty in Sunstone has never, never been seen for any trans character I've read in a comic book. So I would love to see that. And just like what that experience is like. A lot of
0: of people out there could use that reference. I like that. I... Yeah. Sometimes I forget that that's a taboo subject. Yeah, isn't it crazy? You know, crazy? They, like there was a, a little part of me it was like, "Oh yeah. I'm very sorry. That sucks."
1: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um longer um this is from oh no. Um Rabian. I hope I said your name correctly. I'm so sorry. Um Ravian here not gonna lie i look forward to hearing you pronounce my name or at least try it's the european snobbishness i guess joking aside i have to say i love your podcast you always managed to make me smile with your k- kookiness only to surprise i almost read that as kinkiness the sunstone is in sunstone is in my head with your amazing insights truly a delight every time thank you Ravian. so sunstone i fell in love with the story way back in 2012 or 2013 high five me too we've been on the train together i'd given up on reading mainstream comics but sage's stuff On deviant art kept my interest in the medium alive so dc and marvel can really just write (laughs) step on a check for all those books i bought since then i could go on forever discussing my own feelings about this book but in the interest of keeping things sort of short i'll skip straight to the questions first of all how do we feel sunstone handles the theme of honesty in a relationship and how it is always important but especially so in a bdsm relationship i'm particularly curious how you feel about the ending with lisa's personified self-hatred gives her a needed lesson being honest with herself second there was a fair bit of trauma for the characters in Sunstone and sense to deal with the biggest of the bunch is perhaps what happened to Marion how do you feel the book handled this that episode to me personally it's perhaps one of the scariest things I've ever read. I love to read horror that's actually meant to be scary but this is a story that actually gave me nightmares related to this what do you want to see with the future story from Marion? And last but not least, favorite meme you can pull from this book because there's so many memes you can get from this book. My favorite has to be the panel of and Googling BDSM and screaming, oh, what the fuck, at the computer. Though any panel of Exasperated Alley is comedic gold as well. So yeah, have fun discussing this great comic. I'm looking forward to the chaos that will be in this episode. I'm sure you guys will be able to... It'll be a lot of fun and amazingly informative. Keep up the great work, Rabian. Okay. A lot there. Thank you so much for writing in, Rabian. A lot of that, I feel like we got to... In the show. Just by like happenstance.
0: the Because we're geniuses. Because
1: we're geniuses. And we might have read this ahead of time. And I'm so sorry. But I like that you brought up Lisa's personified self-hatred. I thought there was such a good little use of a mechanism. To get Lisa on board with like what she needs to get done. And what she needs to figure out about herself. I like that she had that conversation with her inner self-loathing. That was a very unique and creative tool. The, the last volume you used
0: i 100 percent agree i think that i like that the story calls it out though as well where they say like this didn't happen obviously but i'm a writer and this is the most interesting way to convey this internal back and forth that i'm mm-hmm. having i i think this book is clever that way a lot and you can sort of tell that stepan Just starts to do what he wants to do. Like the high fantasy battle between Anne and Lisa comes to mind.
1: (laughs) Oh, Anne kicked ass, by the way. Anne, Anne rocked that. I'm not just saying that. I think she did. I think she rocked it.
0: She did. And I also think you would rock it, too. I think that's one of the biggest thing you two have in common is how badass you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Overall, uh, I would have pronounced it Ravian, too, so we've Is got that a how it's real... pronounced? Probably not.
1: Friend, you gotta hit me up, DM me as soon as this is over.
0: <laughs> um, what do you want to see in the future arc with Marion? Mm, maybe not that scene again, because it was so very scary. But I would like to see her humanized a little bit, because she's definitely played as a cautionary tale, yep. and it's like, this is what not to be. And so I think she is deserving of being seen with the same kind eyes that all the other characters have been seen with.
1: Yep, I agree. And from what is at the back of volume five, it seems like that's what he's going to be going for. We're going to get her struggling with getting her addiction to BDSM under control. And that's what I'm most excited for, because we haven't seen that aspect really come up. We've gotten like hints of like addiction with Allie, but we I think Marion will really dive into that. And I think that can hit really hard.
0: I agree wholeheartedly.
1: And finally, favorite meme you can pull from this book. There are so many. The the one panel where um Lisa gives her brother the look that could curdle milk. That's one of my favorite ones to pull just because it's the perfect fuck off face in all of comics.
0: I I don't know if it's so much a meme, but when Ann and Alan are in bed and she's like, Oh, I'm coming, he's like, Again? <laughs> like that really made me laugh. I was like that was oh. that was cute. That was funny.
1: Their dynamic is really great. And it's That's another one of the things where it's like really funny because they get hinted at as the comic's going on. And then you get to the scene where they finally meet in the comic and they're like, oh, I already know you. And everyone reading was like, what the fuck? Pardon me, Sage. I've been following this for five years now. What do you mean they already know each other? What are you talking about? You've been hinting at them meeting forever because we know they get together. So what is this? And yeah, the Sunstone fandom was a light they were they were they were like what is going on
0: just a bunch of horny nerds all honestly jazzed up and angry <laughs> on a deviantart tuesday
1: <laughs> oh deviantart tuesdays i miss those
0: i just made that up I, is that real
1: no it's not <laughs> okay i
0: was like if i nailed that if i nailed that i'm retiring honestly perfect We
1: just called it tuesday Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So there are other questions we want to get to, but we will have to wrap up this part of the episode and perhaps do a second hour where just Lexi and I talk about the book for a little bit. And I think that sounds very fun.
0: Yeah. We don't want to leave Lexi out to dry. She had some technical difficulties Mm -hmm. and deserves to talk longer (laughs) about her favorite book. And so we are going... To cut the Dallas portion of this here. Honestly, we should mark this in the show notes. Skip the, <laughs> skip me.
1: Skip Dallas.
0: And the rest of this is going to be Anne and Alexis talking all about Sunstone. Answering the rest of your questions. And forgive me for getting this one out a little later than usual. You'll live. Yeah. We love you all. You're the best. Bye.
1: Bye.